Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You may be seated. Father God, I just come to you now, desperate, fully dependent upon you. Father, there is nothing I can say that would benefit one person in here. You must speak. May I now decrease that you may increase, O God. As each and every one in here, rather they are saved or not, rather they are converted or not, each and every one of us in here, young and old, we are in a battle. Rather we recognize it or not. I pray, O oh God, for those in here who are totally ignorant to the battle, battle, not realizing that they are going right along with the enemy as he's distracting them and deceiving them and giving them these temporary pleasures as he leads them to hell. Would you open their eyes? And for those of us in here, that know the battle too well, for we fight it day after day. But it seems that we are constantly losing the battle, even to the point where we don't even want to fight anymore. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen that saint, strengthen the saints in this place to fight this battle and be victorious by faith. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now if you would, turn with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 14. For a while now we've been working through 1 Samuel. We come to chapter 14 today. 
However, my burden here isn't necessarily the situation of the children of Israel. My burden is you. As I said, each and every one of us in here today are in a battle. A battle worse than the battle they were in. They wrestled with flesh and blood. But as we saw in our text in Ephesians, our enemy is much more dangerous. So for, because of time, I'm not going to read through the whole text. We'll just go through as we get there. But First Samuel chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Now it happened that one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So here's Jonathan, who is not the king. He has not been called by God to lead into battle. So why is Jonathan leading this attack? What's Saul doing? He's the king. He's anointed to do this. Verse 2. And Saul was sitting on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. So Saul, the one anointed by God to lead the people into battle, was sitting under a tree with his army. He's supposed to be leading them, but he's sitting under a tree. And there's a priest there, as if Saul was going to inquire on how he is to go into battle. So there's this religious facade, but Saul sits there idly, while his son, as we'll see by faith, as his son resolves to go up into battle. And in verse 4, we see between the passes which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock, one on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of one was Bozes, the name of the other Sina. In front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. So the idea here is in two rocks that Jonathan can go between. As we'll see, he has to climb up over them on his hands and knees. So the idea is probably two rocks that are like this, that makes the journey even more treacherous. He has to exert himself even more. So here is Jonathan, not even called, anointed by God, to lead the battle. And here is Saul, sitting idly under a tree, with his army doing nothing 
we are all, as I said, we are all in a spiritual battle. But here, we see we can respond to that battle two ways. We can respond like Jonathan, and we can resolve to go up against our enemy. As we saw in Ephesians, we are to put on the whole armor of God. Not to put on the whole armor of God that we may sit idly. We have a religious facade, but we just sit idly. Yes, I I have on the whole armor of God. No, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are to resolve to go up into battle, not to sit idly like Saul under a tree. You know, often we have this religious facade, you know, well, I'm praying about it. We have this sin in our life. We're dealing with this anxiety or whatever it may be. And it's better, instead of resolving to go again, I'm going to get in my word. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to take action. We sit there we're like, you know, I'm praying about it. Oh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm praying about it. Two weeks later, oh, I'm still praying about it. But you haven't done anything. And often, we can be like Saul. Knowing we are in this battle, knowing our enemy is even more dangerous than the Philistines. The Philistines were flesh and blood. They had weaknesses. The Philistines had to sleep. But our enemy does not sleep. Our enemy is always engaged in battle, whether we are or not. You know, Jesus speaks. He says when the word of God, the seed is sown, he says the birds, the demons are waiting to pluck up the seed. Even here this morning in this room, If only our eyes were open and we could see. We are in the midst of battle in this very room. There are demons waiting to pluck up the word as it is being preached. We are in battle. We we can't afford to be like Saul, to sit there idly. We must resolve like Jonathan to go up. Here's Saul. He's the king. He's trained, anointed to do this with 600 men. And Jonathan, with not even a a warrior, his armor bearer, it's like, let's go up. We must resolve to go into battle against our enemy. Amen. But, what, what is it based off? Did, did Jonathan say, you know what? Well, I, I've been trained. You know, I, I, I know I can go up. I, I know I can do some damage. I'm pretty strong. Is that the reason he resolved to go up against him? Well, look at verse 6. Said, then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, 
Let us go over to the garrison, garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your very heart. Then Jonathan Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hands. And this will be a sign to us. So what was Jonathan's resolve based on? You know, many times, maybe you have resolved to go into battle against the enemy, against your sin, against this anxiety. Whatever you're dealing with, you've made that resolve. You've made that resolve, and you went up, but you fell. You feel like, Peter, if I have to die with you, I'll never deny you. Only to turn around and deny him three times. Maybe you've got to the point where you're even now afraid to resolve to do anything. Afraid to make commitments to the Lord. Afraid to make uh, vows to the Lord. Because you're like, I'm just going to break them. Well, of course you will in your own strength. You know, that situation with Peter in the garden, that isn't to teach us. No, you don't resolve to stand with Christ. No, you do that. Each and every one of us who are Christians should do that. If we have to die, we should make that resolve. But what that situation is to teach us is what that resolve is based on. See, Peter was resolved to do it in his own strength. He was like, look, if I have to die, I won't deny you. When Jesus says, watch and pray, lest you fall into temptation, he was like, I'll need to do that. I can stand with Christ. See, that was Peter's problem, not the resolve. That's a good thing. That's an example for us. But it should have went like this when Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. It should have went like this. Lord, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. But I know how weak I am. I know without you I can do nothing. Jesus. I mean, Satan had to come to you to ask you to sift me like wheat. He had to come to you. You have the authority over Satan. He can't go one uh, iota past what you let him. I, I know this story of Job. Jesus, I know I'm weak. I know, I know Satan can, I'm, I'm no match for him. I can, with all the resolve in the world, I know I'm going to fall. Jesus, do not allow this to happen. And you have chosen me. I mean, everyone knows I am your disciple. I am chosen by you, your apostle. What would this say about you and your strength? Do it for your glory. That's what should have happened. Amen. 
Then when Jesus says, watch and pray, Peter should have been the first one up. He should have been watching. He should have been praying, crying out to God. If he's fallen asleep, he should have gotten his feet, ran some laps if he had to. He said, I will watch. I will be alert. I will pray. I will seek the Lord. So his resolve was a good thing. But his trust was in the wrong place. But that's not what we see with Jonathan. So maybe you have resolved to stand with Christ. You've resolved to go up against the enemy. You've resolved whatever it may be. And you fail. Perhaps it's because your trust is in the wrong place. You make a good resolve. But your trust is off. But one thing that we see here, we see with Jonathan, he said, it may be that the Lord will deliver us. See, Jonathan didn't have a certain promise of victory. However, you have many promises of victory. You know, even what I spoke, when Jesus says, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation, you're like, well, that's a warning. Well, on every other side of the warning, there's a promise. The promise is, if you watch, if you pray, you will not fall to temptation. That's a promise from our God. While Jonathan had no promise to hold on to, we have a promise that we can hold on to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, we're told, No temptation shall overtake us except what has come to men. And says God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And that word temptation, parasmas in the Greek, it has to do more than temptation to sin. It could, it's actually translated trials. At the beginning of James, then as we work through, it's uh, temptation. The same word can have to do with trials, temptation, basically any trying thing, anything that will test our faith. He says, no temptation, no trial, no tribulation, no anxiety, no sin, you name it, nothing will come upon you that's not coming to men and God is faithful will not allow you to be tempted, will not allow you to go through trials, tribulations, anything else more than you are able. But with the temptation, with the trial, with the tribulation, he will grant a way out that you are able to bear. That's a promise. Now many times, We'll look at that scripture and we'll say, oh, I know, I know what that scripture means. It means when I give in to temptation, when I fall into sin, when I do it, it's my fault. That, that's what that scripture means. Well, if that's your understanding of that scripture, then you're probably not going to have very much victory. Because that's not what that scripture is there for. Matter of fact, Satan, he, he would love that. Isn't Satan called the accuser of the brethren? So when you believe that about that scripture, you say, oh yeah, when I fall, it's my fault. And then you fall. Well, the accuser has something to accuse you of. He's like, yeah, yeah, you see, scripture said, you know, no temptation will come. Oh, it is your fault that you fell. 
That scripture is not about us. That scripture is to take your eyes off of you and put it on the faithful God. He says God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, we'll provide a way of escape that you are able to endure. God is faithful. That's what that scripture is about. And you trusting in the faithful God, you can have victory. It's not to point you to yourself. Scripture is not to point you to yourself. Yes, we must examine ourselves. Only to look back to Christ. Scripture is to tell us about the character of our God, the character of our Christ. And we have a promise of victory. So when we make our resolve, we can have a surety, a, a, a confidence of victory. Furthermore, we're told in Scripture, you know, in 1 John chapter 2, he's, he's speaking of those in the church. And the young men spiritually, he says, I've written to you young men because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. That's not just a statement. That's a promise to each and every one of us. That we can be strong. We can overcome the wicked one when the word of God abides in us. Your victory is going to be directly related to how much the word of God abides in you. Not how much you read the Bible. How much the word of God abides in in you. And most of you know me. I know no other way to do that than to memorize the scriptures. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness, he didn't have a Bible with him. Matter of fact, that whole 40, 40 days, he probably didn't have a copy of the scripture. Because in those days, it was scarce. You'd have to go to the temple. It wasn't like today and everyone got the Bible. But he did have a Bible with him. Why? It was in here. It was in here. He was meditating on the word day and night. That Psalm 1, blessed man. Which is ultimately speaking of the ultimate blessed man, which is Jesus Christ. He had a Bible with him. And he was meditating on those scriptures. Day and night. And because of that, he was strong. And even after 40 days of fasting, when Satan comes against him, he is able to overcome the wicked one because of the word of God abiding in him. Amen. So I want to encourage you this morning. Should you read your Bible? Yes, you should read your Bible. Start there. Don't finish there. You move forward. You read. You study, you memorize, and don't start at, stop at memorizing. You meditate on what you have memorized. And have the word of God abiding in you. And as David says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I may not sin against God. There's another promise. If the word is hidden in your heart, you will not sin against God. You say, wait, you're saying I'll be perfect? Well, I don't think I have to explain that. We know our sin. 
We know everything we do is tainted by our sin. But there is a strength where the word of God abides in us. We can overcome the wicked one, the devil himself. Another promise in James. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wait, you're, you're telling me? I mean, I've read the book of Job. I've seen what the devil did to Job. And you're telling me, I can stand here and I can resist him and he's going to flee. Yes. How? Submit to God, resist the devil. He will flee from you. You submit to God's way of resisting him. And as we said, that's the word of God. You know, as we saw in Ephesians, that's prayer. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. We have many promises. That isn't even half of the promises we have. We have many promises of victory. So if Jonathan can have faith, that's like, it may be that the Lord will grant us victory. How much more should we believe? How much more should we resolve to go into battle? I don't care what that anxiety is. I don't care what that sin is. I don't care what that trial, what that tribulation is. You have a promise of victory. You can go into it. You can face the devil himself with all the resolve. Say, if I have to die, I will stand with Christ. I will be victorious in Christ. Because we have promises, many exceedingly great and precious promises, as Peter says. So then, what's the outcome? He had this resolve based on this faith. What's the outcome? Look at verse 11. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan, to his armor bearer, and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hands of Israel. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees, climbing up over those sharp rocks. He climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter with which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half an acre of land. So, he resolved to go up into battle. Saul is sitting idly. He's supposed to be leading the people. But, he wasn't. But Jonathan resolved to go into battle because he trusted God. Also, his armor bearer had to have some faith. I mean, perhaps his armor bearer could have been like, uh, Jonathan, you know, you know your dad's got 600 guys, I mean, trained warriors. Why don't we go get them? But no, he had to have faith in Jonathan, which we'll get to, Lord willing, in a second, because that speaks of us as well. But so, 
the faith, the resolve, the faith of Jonathan ended with this massacre of the enemy. But note that Jonathan didn't just say, okay, the Lord's delivered them into our hands. Okay, let's go stand up here and let's, let's watch God uh, rain down hailstones from heaven on them. I mean, God's done that before. That's not what Jonathan did. He said, okay, they've been delivered into our hands. Now it's time to take action. You know, it's one thing if you uh, go into a fight and you're pretty sure you're going to lose. But when you go into a fight, knowing the victory is already yours, fight completely differently. So Jonathan goes up, knowing the victory has been given to him by the Lord. And he takes out his sword. As we are to wield the sword of the spirit fully armed he goes into battle against these 20 men and he's victorious and it's the same with us we must make the resolve we must resolve based off of faith but we don't just say okay I resolve to do this to go into battle. I'm dealing with this sin. I'm dealing with this anxiety. I'm dealing with uh, depression. I'm dealing with whatever it is. Okay, I'm resolved. I have faith. But I'm not going to take action. You must take action. You must take out your sword. And you must go to work. You must go to battle. I mean, Jonathan... As it said earlier, these are two sharp rocks crossing one another. He has to climb up over and between them. It probably wasn't a very easy thing. Maybe even painful. He had to exert a lot of energy. Yet, because he believed the Lord, he was willing to go through to what he had to do, knowing he's been granted the victory. And it's the same thing with each and every one of us. That we, knowing we have the victory, we have many promises. We have the victory in Christ. We can go up against our enemy. We don't have to fear. You know, oh, I, I, I've made this promise, I'm going to fail. I made this resolve, I'm going to fail. If that's our thinking, we probably are going to fail. Our thinking should be, no. I am going up because I have a promise from the faithful God, from the faithful Christ who will not fail. This is about his glory, not about me. And he will not allow his glory to fail. That's the great thing about God doing all things for his glory. If he did it for me, I would be in trouble. But he does it for his own glory. And it's the same thing with each and every one of us who are his. Now, like I said, Jonathan's faith isn't the only faith we see in this situation. We see the faith 
of his armor bearer, who wasn't even a trained warrior. He was trained to bear the armor of Jonathan. That took a lot of faith. To follow this man into battle against all of these, as we see, the slaughter was 20 men, so at least 20 men. Maybe there were more and the rest retreated. We don't know. But that took a lot of faith. To trust in the faith of this man going into battle. You know, we spoke a lot about how we can be victorious in battle. But even with all that, we will have no victory if we don't follow the right one into battle. We have to have one set before us as the armor bearer had Jonathan set before him. But we have one greater than Jonathan, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Jesus wasn't like Saul and sat in heaven idly with this religious facade. He didn't just sit there as the seraphim were singing, holy, holy, holy. He didn't just, just sit there. He, with all resolve, it was like, I will go. I will save my people. The Father had given him a people before the foundation of the world. But Jesus Christ didn't say, well, God, you gave them to me. I know they will ultimately be saved. I believe that, God. And he just sat there. I'm not going down there into that cursed world. Why would I want to go down there, God? Jesus didn't do that. He didn't sit idly under his tree like Saul. But Jesus Christ, the greater Jonathan, with all resolve, he came into this world. And he said, for this reason the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own. From his initiative, his resolve, he resolved to come into this world to lay down his life for his people. And you say, okay, he, he resolved to do that. He, he knew how it was going to go. See, we have to rely on faith, but Jesus Christ, no. See, the book of Hebrews, you know, chapter 11, we see by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And we think when we end chapter 11, we're finished with the heroes of faith, as they are called. Well, no. See, chapter 12, 1 and 2, it speaks of the ultimate hero of faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus did what he did by faith in God. 
So Jesus resolved to come into this world and put his faith in his Father. And he took action. And Jesus Christ was victorious. All the way from the beginning of our Bibles, we hear a promise that Jesus Christ would crush the head of Satan. And Matthew, he speaks of Satan as the strong man. He is bound. And John, he says the ruler of this world will be cast out when I am lifted up and I will draw all unto myself. Jesus Christ is victorious in Colossians. It says, though you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he says he has made you alive, having forgiven all your trespasses, having removed the handwriting of requirements against us, which is contrary to us. He said he moved it out the way. He nailed it to the cross. And he says there he disarmed the principalities and powers. He disarmed Satan. He disarmed the demons. And it says he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Yes, when we go into battle, we must have something set before us, and that is Christ, who won the victory already. We're going into battle as victors already, because we go in following Christ. See, the armor bearer followed Jonathan, but he didn't know how it would turn out. Maybe he would have followed Jonathan into the battle, and he would have got slaughtered. But when we follow Christ into battle, we have confidence. He has won the victory. Yes, we fight this battle, but guess what? Our enemy, his head has been crushed. There's been a mortal blow, and he is slowly dying off when we go into battle. We go into battle against one who is bound and his house is being plundered. When we go into battle, we go against one who has been cast out. When we go into battle, we go against one who has been disarmed. When we go into battle, we can be sure of victory because of the victory of Christ. And in Hebrews, he tells us that in all things he became like his brethren. That through death, he might destroy the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. And he might release those who through fear of death was subject to a lifetime of bondage. Do you have a fear of death this morning? Trust in the work of Christ. He has, through his death, defeated the one who had the power of death, that is the devil. And he's done this to deliver you from fear of death that has held you in bondage. Yes, even as a Christian, you can be in bondage to fear of death if you do not believe that scripture. Believe it. So when we go into battle, we are victorious because we have one before us who was victorious and we can follow him in with all confidence, all confidence in Christ. So those of you this morning who have abandoned your life for Jesus Christ, put your faith in him to live 
fully dependent on Christ. Be, be encouraged this morning. As we face this battle, be encouraged. As you go into that battle, don't go in with a mindset, um, it may be like Jonathan. Don't go in with a mindset, you know, I'm probably going to fail because I'm a sinner. No, don't go into with that mindset. You go into that battle with the mindset, I will be victorious because Christ was victorious. I will follow him and I will set him before me. I have the person, the work of Christ. I will set the gospel before me constantly. That's why we have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. As we walk, as we run into battle, we have our feet shod with the gospel. We set the person, the work of Christ before us, and he was victorious, and we will be victorious. Now, for those of you in this room, as I said earlier, we are all in this battle. But there are some who haven't abandoned their life for Christ. Nevertheless, you are in the battle. You're like, I don't feel like I'm in the battle. Well, that's because, as we're told in Ephesians, you're walking right along with Satan. He's giving you everything you want. He's giving you all the entertainments you like, all of your lust. He gives you everything you want. So you're, you're just fine. He lets you participate in the sins you want to. But I pray that God opens your eyes this morning that you are being deceived. You know what rat poison is? The rats love it. It, it, it tastes good to them. Not knowing that the very thing they're eating is going to kill them. And it's the same thing with you this morning. If you are not in Christ, if you have not turned from yourself, your sin, and cast your life on Christ by faith, you're just like that rat. And Satan is feeding you what tastes good to you. It could come in the form of video games. It can come in the form of friends. All these things that indeed are gifts from God if used for his glory or should be used for his glory. It could come in all of these good things. You're like, what's wrong with this? And you're eating it. But because you have rejected Christ, that very thing you're eating is going to kill you. Or maybe you're like, well, I know I'm in a battle. And you're going to be like those Jewish exorcists in Acts 19. You're like, oh, well, by, by the Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. Those demons are going to say, really? Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? You have no power against them. You are nothing but their slave until you come to Christ. The greater Jonathan who was victorious over all of those enemies. So my prayer this morning is to come to Christ. It's a command to you. 
to repent. When Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That's not a request. He's not saying, oh, well, if, if, if you want some rest, just come to me. I mean, when you get around to it, come to me. That's not a request. It's like, no, right now, come to me. It's life or death. Come to Christ this morning. And he says, he who comes to me, I will by no means. Cast out. You will not come to Christ and be disappointed. Believe it. You say, I don't believe it. Well, come to him and you will believe it. Turn from your sins. Stop eating the rat poison that Satan is feeding you. And come to Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the relevance of it to each and every one of our situations. I pray, Lord, that this word would not be snatched up by the birds. By Satan and his demonic forces, his demonic personnel that is in this room right now. But I pray that this word comes and lands on good soil. It comes in power to those who are walking according to the prince of the power of the air walking according to Satan, walking according right hand in hand with the demons. Pray that their eyes would be open and they would see the danger they are in and they would flee to Christ. And those of us in here who know the battle all too well, for we are constantly going to battle and constantly getting beat down by this enemy that we face. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen them. That they will give themselves to storing up your word within them. That they may have your word abiding in them. They may overcome the wicked one. The wicked one whose head has been crushed. The wicked one who is bound. The wicked one who is cast out. The wicked one who is disarmed. They would set Christ before them. And his person. And his work. And they would go into battle. With confidence, trusting in Christ, trusting in his promises. And coming out victorious by faith, that they may glorify you for their victory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.